you can you can buy these kits. They're uh, they're, they're used that sensory testing kits, and you can buy them. They come with these little vials, and you just put a couple of drops into your beer. You get a very neutral sort of beer that doesn't have much other flavor going on, and then you can taste all the different. There's one that tastes like it smells like a like a soiled diaper. There's one that smells like vomit. There's one that smells like feet. It's just, it's fascinating. That's <laughs> where the next frontier of craft beer is, my friends. <laughs> diaper, diaper beer. Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where we fumble our way through the outdoors and try and do stuff with our hands. Hello, boys. Hello. Hi. Right. I'm going to get to it. All right. Matt, you cracking a Neo Citron? Uh, just, uh, end of a tea. So, cause I'm poorly planned. <laughs> and he's gone again. <laughs> Eight minutes to get headphones hooked up and then he's, he's fucking gone. He's, you know, <coughs> this, it's an important, it's an important prop tonight to, to have a, a drink. That's true. I think. I was debating Matt's ability to drink tonight with him slow sicking for the last <laughs> th- three weeks. <laughs> I love this. You have to explain what slow sticking is, I think. Slow sticking? So basically, we all went on a on a weekender, and my oldest had some fucking nightmare virus, which I, th- I think now we figured out was probably that respiratory one, but, you know, neither here nor there. Came back, and uh, my kids got it, like, hard. Whole family was out. I managed to stave it off for about a week, and then I got it. But since then, like Matt has been slowly getting like symptom by symptom, but one at a time and not too terrible <laughs> for three fucking weeks now. He's, he's just been slowly stepping one foot further and further into the grave. So, <laughs> so what, slow like, sticking. So what kind of like you got, you coughed and then you had a day of sneezing and then you had a day of feeling like shit. Yeah. And I think each one of those was like three days long and what was worse is the the past week has been absolutely drained of energy. Muscles are sore, like knees are sore, body sore for no reason and mentally incompetent. Like, yeah, but that's not because of like that. (laughs) That's just a good excuse though. Uh, I've been sick most of my life. If that's the symptom, (laughs) just, just ridiculous. I just can't think it sucks. All right. Well, I have a job that, Realize solely on my brain capacity. That's going to be good. It'll be fine. Cheers, fellas. Matt's Cheers. got a what there? Oh, uh, Pabs. Good one. Yeah, you know, let's get all this taste. Mm-hmm. Scott, what, what are you drinking? Yeah, I don't actually know what I'm drinking. I uh, thought that I was drinking a uh, an annex drink, but it's actually a village drink. I'm drinking a, uh, a crispy blonde ale. It's delightful. You know who we're having on tonight, right? And yeah, I do. I do. Why I am drinking this wonderful IPA from oh, uh, from Cabin. That's really nice. Sunshine Rain. Sunshine. I wonder rain. who makes that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Annex. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh look, our guest dropped off. <laughs> uh, on that note, well, I'm gonna have a drink first. We can skip most of the bullshit because we've already wasted enough of this gentleman's time. Um, we have, again, again, duped somebody into reducing their social clout. And uh, as we discussed, Scott, doing some net zero marketing. 
That's right. Or in he's that going case, to speak to us for a little while and he's going to pay nothing and we're going to pay him nothing. And in the end, uh, nobody's going to see it. And, and it's going to uh, increase his sales. Nothing. Zero. That's right. It's the anything, most risky marketing endeavor of the year. He'll be able to write it off because he'll lose customers based on <laughs> his appearance here. Uh, however, this guy <laughs> is, is, uh, an old friend of yours, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a wonderful gentleman, and uh, he's, uh, he's he surprisingly knows how to do a thing. He knows how to do stuff successfully, and I find he's surprisingly Canadian for technically not being a Canadian or That's from right. here, anyways. Um, we are talking tonight with Hayden Dews from Cabin Brewing. Hi, Hayden. Who's who's muted? Well, hello, there, gentlemen. There he is. Hey, buddy. All right, How are you doing? There are no mute buttons. No. My, mic problems across the board tonight. Thanks for having us on. Nice to see you all. Thanks for coming on. We, uh, uh, we often have people on that know how to do things, but we're not actually going to talk to you about uh, how you do cabin brewing. We're going to talk to you about the brewing you used to do when I, when I first met you, which mm. was brewing at home. Which uh, just today you told me when you started doing that, and I was really surprised. I thought it was a recent endeavor for you, but but you've been into this home brewing for a really really long time. Yeah, it was back in what did I say? It was my second year at university back in Wellington, in New Zealand. So that was nineteen ninety four. Was the first year I brewed beer, and it was in my little shitty student flat, literally wrapped a. We have electric blankets in New Zealand that you plug into the wall and keep your bed warm because the place is so cold because there's no insulation or central heating. And just wrapped it around and put it in the little footwell of my desk in my room and then just covered it up with cardboard and sort of let that go. It was terrible. 1994 might have been the first time I drank a beer, let alone yeah. trying to make a fucking beer. <laughs> I've been drinking beer for years at that point. An electric blanket wrapped around what? It's like a fermenter or a carboy, so like a... 20 liter right. water bottle, basically, kind of like the water bottles you'd, you'd get from a supermarket, that sort of size. And yeah, bubbled away for a week and I put it into <laughs> bottles and shared it with my friends and we got horribly drunk on it. And it, was, it was just awful, just awful. <laughs> I really, I'd love to be able to go back and just drink it just to see how bad it was. I remember at the time having very little taste for, for good beer anyway and thinking this is this is terrible. This is not good. <laughs> but, right. But instead of saying, well, that, that's the hell with that, you kept making it and people kept drinking it? Not immediately. Like I, I, I potted away with it throughout my university life. And then, you know, living in New Zealand, I sort of homebrew from time to time. And to be fair, it wasn't until I moved to Canada in 2010 and moved into Calgary. And the, the brew scene here was actually a little bit better and, there was just seemed to be better access to better quality ingredients, which helped things along substantially, which was great. Like we're right in the, you know, in Alberta, we grow a lot of barley and wheat, so you get really good grain product. And then just across the borders where most of the hops from around the world come from. So you had really good hops as well. And surprisingly, Calgary has really good water for homebrew. You don't actually have to do much other than filter it. And if you want to, you can add a few salts just to change the flavor profile of the water. But otherwise, it's it's good to go. Pure so rock. Good to roll. Are you going to um, in, invest all your money and time and sadness into uh, farm equipment and start planting 
um, <laughs> barley and 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 stuff up at uh, up at your property. I should, right? And just, I don't know. You just really hate what you do. After squishing around in that for like two months over summertime, and it's like the bog field that it was, it's like nothing's growing in here. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll leave yeah, that to the experts. <laughs> Fair enough. How how was your time at the property last weekend? I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was uh, it's kind of weird. You know, the thing that threw me off, I, the first couple of hours, I was like, shit, I'm actually, it's cold. So I had to get used to that. And like, by the time you put some clothes on, it was it was fine. But the thing that really threw me off was how dark it got so early. And I was up there by myself, so I didn't really have anything to do. It's like, well, it's four o'clock and it's almost dark. <laughs> I mean, I'd been in bed, like bed at like 7.30 and sort of slept right through the night, so. It was fun. Yeah. It was beautiful out there during the day, like not a lick of wind. Uh, the first day there was beautiful blue sky. Um, it was lovely. Good times. So one vehicle awesome. the whole time I was up there and that was it. They weren't going yeah. out of my fucking place, were they? Oh, probably. They were coming out probably. with the, they didn't, weird. They didn't have a quad when they went in, but they had a couple when they left. I don't know where they got them. <laughs> That sounds know. about right. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck getting those started, fuckers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jokes on you. Scott, I hear your quad might need some chunkier tires on it. <laughs> it might need tires <laughs> that are on the, the right way. They, they have just, a problem where they're on the wrong way as well. Just, just drive backwards the whole time, you'd be fine. Well, I actually think that's why they're on backwards. I think they used to use the winch to do something a lot. Yeah, the the quarter centimeter of tread you have is going the wrong direction. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah that's I've never seen so much winching in my life. Oh. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of winching. Pond, when that pond freezes over, you better get out there and do some donuts on it. It's gonna be great. I did tow one of your quads out at the end. We didn't get that on tape. I'd like to point out. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, but you missed that. Uh, you were going so slow and with such little traction that I couldn't ride the quad while you pulled it out. I had to run beside it. It's, it. it's true. You were like mush, mush as I was driving my bald quad. Yeah. I was trying to yell at you to go faster, but you wouldn't. So it kept hitting trees because I couldn't jump on it here. And put- yeah. Wow. I was running though. Well done. Um, yeah. We didn't get that, but. <laughs> that happened. Anyway, not to detract from talking about home brewing, <laughs> right? But uh, um, okay. So, so you you diddled about with it through your uh, university years. You were a university yeah. diddler, as yep. uh, we all they called you, right? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and then what? What? Uh, so you got to Calgary. The ingredients were better. What kind of yeah. made you be like? I'm going to give this like a a little bit more effort funding. I'm going to buy equipment and yeah. So there's a there's a club in Calgary. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's the Cowtown Yeast Wranglers, which is the best name. Fuck is it? It Yes. It's just like it's holy shit. From the 1990s, the Yeast Wranglers. Wonderful man. If that's not if that's not a group of gynecologists, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So I joined this club and, you know, there's some, there was some good brewers there and I was surprised that people were making beer in that club that actually tasted like beer you'd buy in a shop. So I was, and I, 
it didn't take long to realize with talking to them, there's just a couple of quick and easy fixes that I could do with my processes, which I did, and were able to make uh, the beer taste good. And it's as simple as like temperature control when you're fermenting, keeping a nice steady temperature and the right temperature, not just put it in your basement and hope that it ferments at 15 degrees or whatever. Um, you know, nice, healthy yeast, and then keeping things really, really clean. Those are really the only three things you needed to do, and I wasn't really doing any of those. So once I Matt, started, our, Matt, our mead's going to taste like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's sitting in the it basement. basement. I am not temperature controlling it. It's in the furnace room because it's the warmest room I got. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I, I did sterilize it, but then I also like tried to test the alcohol content and just dumped the rest of the stuff back in, which after I read is like, I don't do that. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stuff that's being exposed to the oxygen in the air. Yeah. So that's be. interesting because like your early experiments, Hayden, my dad used to brew his own beer because uh, mm. he was cheap. And mm. from what I remember, um, like it, it, it almost made me never want to drink anything ever again because it, it tasted like toilet sock water. Yeah. And, and this, awful. this, it was like his supplements that were like store bought beer at the time. So this is yeah. 20 some years ago. It was co-op gold lager. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you say, lager. oh yeah, because now <laughs> it's actually made by somebody back yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Co-op brand pills, the man. That's my that's my sleeper beer. That's the one that I always recommend for people if they're drinking, if they just want like a can beer. It's like it's made by Big Rock. It's good quality. It tastes good. Have you tried Bronk? I have. That's actually decent too. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because I was like going through the store and it was on for like eighteen bucks. I was like, that's like a dollar thirty a can. I'm. I guess I'm just getting this now. And it's made, <laughs> and it's made in Calgary. I was like, I'd never heard of these guys, and it was, uh, it was drinkable. Yeah. Full disclosure: I drank a lot of it one night, and I, <laughs> I definitely still tasted bronk. Like there was a bronk taste the next day, for right. sure, for most of the day. But <laughs> yeah, buck a beer. That's good. And the folks, folks that make that beer, they, it, it's made out of a place in town called Last Spike Brewing Company. And they, yes. uh, they're a contract facility. So they're just this massive, massive warehouse with these ridiculously large fermenter tanks that make a lot of beer for a lot of people. Oh, really? Huh. Do you yeah. know who they make beer for? Or is that like industry? Yeah, there's lots of, you know, we, we dabbled with them. They've made a couple of batches of beer for us. We just wanted to see if they could replicate stuff we liked at Cabin and, it wasn't quite where we wanted it to be, so we pulled away from that. We make it all in-house now. Um, but I know it's a standard joke. Every time you turn up to, like, drop kegs off or something, you'd be like, hey, there's that guy from that brewery and it's that lady from that brewery. And, Geez, who's, is anyone making their own beer anymore? Or is it all just being made here? It's pretty Crazy. wild. It's big. Like, if you've been into Cabin, those big fermenters we've got at the back, they're 40-hectolitre ones, which in my mind are big. They're like, I don't know, twice as tall, three times as tall as me. They've got ones there that are 400 hectoliters, so 10 times the size of that. And they Holy are shit. Massive. Jesus Christ. It's yeah, it's a big facility. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So is it is their business model like just volume? They just brew for kind of anybody who yep. pays a penny and yep. that's, that's it? it. Or? I think they have a lot of um, – they set up at a time about four or five years ago where the – I think it's when the NDP government was in and they, they were quite strict – 
rules around importing beer. So, for example, someone like Steam Whistle couldn't import beer into Alberta without paying a big surcharge, but if they brewed it in Alberta, they wouldn't have to pay that big tax. So a lot of people were starting to look to say, well, oh, shit, okay. let's make it in Alberta and this place set up, and then the rules changed again. Um, but they're still busy as far as I know. Like, And talking to folks, it's, it's a long wait list to get in there. And, you know, there's some breweries out there like Long Hawk Brewing, if you've heard of them. Um, they solely run their model on contracting, so they don't have a bricks and mortar brewery. They just do everything through contract brewing. They get other people to make it for them. So they just, like, come up with a recipe, try it on small scale, and then be like, scale it up, I guess? Yep. Yeah, really? and then they make it for them. So the money is not there's not a lot of money to be made in that model, but at least you're getting your name out there, and, you know, he's doing a good job. And I'm sure one day he'll have his own actual brewery of his own that he can do his thing but yeah well they're kicking they're, out the, they're kicking out their own beer now right so i mean yeah doing hey, and matt maybe they can uh maybe they can brew our mead for us yeah <laughs> oh yeah not, not put it in the furnace room yeah. the furnace room mead is what you should call it um oh it's just gonna, it's gonna be bad that's all <laughs> are there <laughs> Are there any beers from when you were home brewing that are now cabin mainstream beers or beers at cabin? There are a couple. One, we do an English mild every year, which we'll be releasing again in January. So that's a light alcohol, three and a half percent sort of English dark pub ale. And that was a homebrew recipe of mine. And then we do that weird beer. It's called Cool As. It's a lime and cucumber. Yes. That's a good beer. That that was the first beer of yours I ever had. You brought right. it to the Screaming Toddler's Picnic in a little keg, oh, put it in a yes. little tent, and I tried it, and I was like, fuck me, Dad. This is amazing. <laughs> that was I was telling someone about that the other day, about how, yeah, I took a, a keg of homebrew and the kids' like little red wagon and yeah. like, wheeled it into <laughs> the picnic area and then set up one of those Ikea tents and put the keg inside the tent. That was it. <laughs> was, it was, it into was the that tent. one. Because yeah. I... I was like, I, I drank more than I should have in <laughs> public space with my children. But uh, when yeah, you're in your 30s, you sort of start to dread somebody going, "Hey, do you want to try this beer I made?" Yeah. And so, so when the one of the times that we were over at your house with you and Jill for dinner before any of us had kids, yeah. and you said that, I remember th- thinking of January's. Uh, January and I were both thinking, "Oh God, here!" But it was good. It was actually good. <laughs> And we were really, really surprised. Yeah. So, how so did you no- like? How did you go about figuring out recipes to get yeah, there? Like, how did you get question. from sock beer to good beer in the? So there's there's this thing uh, you guys may have heard of. It's called the internet, and you can find stuff on there. But that's <laughs> one place. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. What? We don't uh, have any. Some everybody. The- yeah. The books up here, there's lots of good books on, on homebrew, and there's a couple of uh, American guys, especially they're sort of like the grandfathers of homebrew, and they, they release these books. And there's one particular one that's called Brewing Classic Styles, and it's a, it's written using re- recipes that have actually won national awards for homebrewing. And it's like, if you brew this beer exactly like this, it will do well. And most homebrewers get into that and they'll start using those recipes. But then once you've sort of, it's like anything, like when you're cooking, it's like, okay, now I know how to do a, a scrambled egg. So I might make an omelet next. I might throw some chives in it. I might do whatever. I don't know. So once you've got those basics down, then you 
start playing around with stuff and that's where you end up with stuff like the cucumber lime sour salty mm-hmm. beer which are you, uh, are, you, are you saying a scrambled egg and chive beer is coming out next <laughs> yeah delicious <laughs> breakfast who knows <laughs> yeah. who knows we've just uh, we've just commissioned our pilot system at the at cabin for the first time we we'd originally planned to do it when we opened and we never did it and it's it's a small brew system that we can make one 50 liter keg of beer at a time so that's now up and running as of last week so for 2023 we're going to start pumping out some weird and wacky ones so all those really crazy ideas that people have it's like put it on the pilot system but like we did an april fool's gag last year about doing a, a hot dog water beer so basically do like a big wean a boil boil a bunch of hot dogs and use that water and turn it into a beer and we Oh, 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 that's so it. And we did this like April Fool's joke. said, come and get it. And people actually did come in and try and buy it. Uh, did you? This year we might actually just make it. Just for shits and giggles. <laughs> you should. awesome. It's a word to keep. I know that because I'm disgusting. <laughs> you, don't have to even, you don't have to even boil your own hot dog, Aaron. You can just drink it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, someone else is going to make my beer recipe. This is amazing. <laughs> So what's the, we like to talk about tools on this show sometimes yeah. because uh, a lot of our stuff is broken. And um, <laughs> I, so I'm wondering, like, what was the essential getting started gear for, for homebrewing for you? Right. So there's some really basic stuff. The most essential ones probably you would have seen in the carboys, the, the containers that hold the liquid. That's the most important thing. Because um, really you can get, you can go to a home brew store and get everything pre-made for you. You can get like the grain uh, milled in advance for it. You can have the hot pellets big enough. Like everything can be done for you. But like anything, you can get as tricky as you want. Like you can, I grow my own hops and I've used them a couple of times and bring so you can grow your own hops, you could grow your own grain, you could do all this technical stuff. But really once you've got a fermenter, um, something to measure the alcohol is really useful. You don't have to have it. You can just sort of just wing it like you guys and see <laughs> see how strong it ends up at the back end. Um, well, yeah, like I, I was telling you just before the thing I learned, cause I, I picked up some guys homebrew kit so that we could try this mead and it came with a hydrometer and I was like, fuck yeah. now I can actually, cause I've tried a few things before. I think we talked about it on here a little bit, but mm-hmm. I never knew what the alcohol content was. So I was like, yeah, this is sweet. So I went to test it the other day. And, uh, what I didn't know is that. In order to test the alcohol content, you're supposed to use the hydrometer before you ferment and then after you ferment and then subtract <laughs> the two numbers, which uh, I, I never did. Uh, so now we're once again going to be playing a guessing game. So it's a fun game. But the hydrometer, I think, is cool if you have the wherewithal to, like you said, use that, that other tool called the internets yeah. and actually take five <laughs> seconds to read how to use the fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's super cheap. Like, for the three, like, for the three people out there listening who might not know what a hydrometer is, it basically just three, three, <laughs> three. <laughs> no. Woo! Hot damn! We're, we're on. Yeah, it's basically just it's basically just a weight, right? That sits in the liquid, and the liquid's got sugar in itself, so thick, so it'll sit there, and then as the sugar gets eaten by the yeast and gets turned into alcohol, it slowly sinks until the sugar's all gone, and then you just take the top measurement and the bottom measurement and do the difference. So you say, right, started at 1040, ended up at 1010. That means it's like 5% alcohol. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
So it's super simple. So that's that's handy if you're especially if you're serving it to other people. Um, I made one beer once when I miss I screwed up the original reading and I was I was like, oh wow, this beer only came out like three and a half percent. That's crazy. And we took it to a community association gathering and I was just like forcing it on everyone. It's like, don't worry, you can have a couple of pints, it's only three and a half percent alcohol. It was actually about six percent alcohol, so people were like, Oh, are you sure this is only three and a half? It's like, yeah, it's only three and a half. <laughs> and then that's when that you're like, well, I had three pints, and you know what? I feel pretty booze. I don't think that was three and a half percent. I went back and looked at my calculations, say, like, yeah, no, I screwed that up. That's definitely not. Um, so that's that's useful. And Jesus, then, so I hope you didn't just cop to a crime of some sort that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what will come out? <laughs> um, the other thing is, I, I, I think I was telling. Uh, Darren sometime back was the just the temperature control of fermentation like yeast is yeast can be pretty finicky so it really it doesn't like surprises if it gets really hot or really cold really quickly it'll just the yeast just like and dies so you have to or it'll start throwing off weird aromas and flavors so you want to try and keep it as constant as possible and you can get um, a really simple temperature control mechanism that's I used an old fridge and you put it in the fridge you wrap it with this little heat blanket and then you turn the fridge on and then you just set, set it's just a temp controller. So you say, I want it to stay between 19 and 20 degrees and then it'll either click on the heater or click on the fridge, depending on whether it's hot or cold outside. Oh, interesting. And that'll just keep it consistent the whole way through. Um, so, so can you visually tell, uh, when the yeast is unhappy temperature wise, like whether like if it's too hot or too cold, does it do anything different? Is there anything like, no. like, Oh, it's yeah, definitely too hot. Cause the yeast is like mega bubbling or it's definitely too cold. Cause there's, well, cause there's ice on the top or whatever, but yeah, not visually. You'll see if it gets too hot, as it gets colder, the yeast will slow down or bubble slowly. And as it heats up, it'll bubble faster, but it just depends. It depends on how much yeast is in it will govern how fast it will bubble away. Um, but really you can only tell once the fermentation is finishing off and you start smelling and tasting it and you'll notice right. you'll know straight away whether there's something wrong there. It'll be. And, and the bubbling you're talking about is in that, that to stopper that you put in the carboy. Exactly. Fill with half with water. Yep. Uh, and then it, it bubbles as the, as the, the CO2 as is. The CO2 gets pushed out. Yeah. Cause all yeah. the yeast, yeast just, uh, the, the yeast eats the sugar and then it just farts out CO2 and alcohol. That's basically all it does. And the CO2 has to go somewhere. If you don't have one of those little airlocks to let the air out, it'll eventually explode or something will go horribly wrong there. Um, what a blessed little creature yeast is. Here's to yeah. yeast. Thanks, yeast. It just has one yeast. purpose, to just puke out alcohol. I love it. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense, though, because I, I went and I checked on our mead that we were making, and I couldn't. I just peeked in. Nothing was really happening. The odd bubble, I think I told you, Hayden. Yeah. So then I went in and I undid a few buttons in my shirt and that thing just started bubbling like a motherfucker. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It they, was like the hotness. When, when it gets scared, it's like when you get scared, it just starts panicking. <laughs> Matt, Matt wishes he had died on the couch today. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking hell. <laughs> I got out of bed for this. Got out of bed for this. <laughs> So weird, the weird thing about yeast, and I don't want to blab on about yeast the whole time, but it's like, it's everywhere, right? So it's, it's on your skin, it's on your computer screen, whatever. And you can harvest 
you need particular it's in your strength. throat if you make bad choices yeah it's it can be anywhere so you can make beer out of just about anything that's in there you don't actually have to add yeast but it helps have the right kind of yeast because there's some pretty bad stuff out there and like the yeast you'd pick up in your house is just it's gross it'll throw up bad smells and flavors and and you know there's hundreds thousands <laughs> What's my yeast you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, your yeast, I'm sure, is quite fine. <laughs> That's my favorite infection. Leave that alone. Um, Hayden, do you know what the difference between brewing? I'm sure you do. So maybe you can just answer this for me. The difference between beer yeast and wine yeast. Uh, let me think. I can't actually. I don't There's know no thinking on the show. Come on. Yeah. yeah I know it's mind. different. And I, but I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is. Um, well, that's the answer all, I had, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, all yeast, all yeast behaves slightly differently. And I know most wine yeast, they just normally take the, the natural yeast that's sitting on the skin of the wine rather than adding yeast to it unless you're doing a homebrew uh, wine. Is there like a, like a whole yeast market that exists then? Oh, you would, it's insane. Like the laboratories that run this stuff, it's like a ton of it is super proprietary. Like you'll get yeast strains that will throw off notes of banana and cloves and like really tropical white winey notes. It's, it's weird. And there's, um, there's one of the biggest ones in the States is called white labs yeast. And if you go down there, they've got a brewery in there as well. And what they'll do is they'll like make a beer. It's the same beer. It's like brewed like five different beers, all the exact same base beer, but they've used different yeast in all five of them. And you can go through and taste them. So the base beer is the same. And then the only difference is the yeast in there. And the difference can be wild. It can be really, really different. It can be subtle or it can be really, really different. Different so, in like a good way or different in like a bad yeast? Different in just a you know, weird way. It's like you can use different yeast for any beer that you want to, but they're all going to throw different character off. Like they might make the beer drier or they might make it sort of like the, the yeast we use for this beer, it's a hazy beer. So it like keeps lots of particles in suspension, whereas some yeast is super aggressive and it will pull all that stuff out of suspension and make it nice and clear like a lager lager beer so yeah it's all crazy speaking wow. of hazy i just pulled out a uh banded peak banded peak ipa that i'm gonna open next i was gonna keep it close to home and open a hocktail brewery one from rimby but then mm. i saw that it was only 4.5 percent so i put it back <laughs> in the fridge nope <laughs> <laughs> it's not. um okay i have a question uh, about beer for you, Hayden. And it's about one of your beers specifically. Oh, okay. Okay. Ask away. As soon as I finish pouring someone else's beer. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Um, you recently um, gave me... Now, I, I do like to try all your beers, but I honestly don't get the chance to try them all because I'm poor. And mm -hmm. you gave us one when we were out... Uh, over over at your your place up by our place and yeah. it was the it was a rice beer was it the was it the jasmine is that the one? Oh I'm yeah gonna... jasmine yeah the zen garden jasmine the zen garden that's the one so first of all probably one of the best beers i've had i'm mm. gonna say that and it's not just because you decided to come tonight it honestly <laughs> i used yeah, to be a big I used to be a big Budweiser guy, and I, I felt like the rice had a different – because Budweiser is a rice beer. Yeah. It had a it, – it just – it sat different. You could have more of it. It was a little easier drinking. There was just something about, like, 
that. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of not to compare yours to Budweiser, which I'm doing right now, but <laughs> um, it had that same feeling. Like my wife doesn't drink a lot of beer and she crushed that thing. Like it was mm-hmm. my soul. And um, your soul has been gone a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we won't go there. So my question is what, what really is the difference? Like what makes uh, a rice beer so different than a wheat beer? And you can't say cause it's rice, but like what about the rice versus the wheat is, yeah. is kind of gives it that, that really sort of differentiation that you can yeah. physically taste and feel when you're drinking it. So it's like, you can just backtracking a bit. You can add a bunch of different grains to beer. You can use spelt, rye, wheat, barley, basically anything that has a bit of sugar in it. Corn is a big popular one in North American lagers. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Use like, corn a, like a bourbon beer. That's what I got out of that. Just have a shot of bourbon with it. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it's rice is uh, it really dries it out, so um, it has it has no gluten in it, right? So you don't get all. Does it have gluten? Jeez, you put me on the spot. I don't think it does. It Very doesn't little. because it doesn't, does it? Yeah. No gluten. Yeah. Gluten free people drink Budweiser. Yeah. So every every grain that you use in beer, the the yeast only eat it eats certain grains in a different way or the sugars you get from grain in a, in a certain way. So with rice, um, the yeast just destroys itself, pulls out just about everything. So it becomes very dry, very light, very crisp, very drinkable. Uh, with barley, it leaves a lot behind. So it leaves color, it leaves sugars, it leaves sort of these long, what are they called? Long chain sort of dextrins in the, in the beer that make it quite sort of thick and chewy. And a lot of people react badly to gluten as well. Um, whereas rice just really, really dries a beer out. So we wanted to try that out just because it was a good, you know, it's a patio crusher. Budweiser makes a lot of money and a lot of beer out of a rice beer, so it can't be that bad. We used a jasmine rice just for a little slight different flavor profile and aroma profile in it. Um, but you're right, it came out super well. It's just like, we. I remember I drank it, it was just like, this doesn't, it doesn't taste like much. There's not much going on. But then when you you know, crush a couple on a hot day. I think that day where I gave one to, to your neck, it was like 30 degrees or something. We were out there playing cornhole. And it's like, this was, it was, it was plus 30. That's for sure. Time, yeah. Whereas if you we, try we and had, do- we had just, uh, our kids had just contracted beaver fever from the Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause, Cause they were, they were in it. And, uh, yeah, I think someone was saying like, I think Brooke got it in her mouth. Maverick yeah. just face planted right under the water, damn near drowned. What's Lisa's? Is it Owen? Is that Lisa's? Owen. Yeah. Yeah, he he for sure drank something. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it was after that. We were all still able to make it to your place <laughs> without shitting all over the place like the cows did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when it was. It was it was hot as fuck and it was like extremely drinkable. Yeah. yeah. Delightful day, summer beer. Yeah. yeah. And we make the other one we make is the Dirty Hipster, which is a collaboration we did with Routine Deodorant, and that's a rice lager as well. Mm-hmm. We, uh, oh, really? That one's a rice beer. That's a rice beer. Yeah. So that's, a, that's actually a funny story. So if you, I like that one too. I've seen a trend. I brought it hunting with us uh, on, the, on the trip where, where Silas gave us all the plague. Right. This is, this is a perfect story for this group because it's like. We got together with, so Routine 
if you guys didn't know about it, it's like a natural deodorant company based out of Calgary. Um, two sisters own it. Super successful. Great job. But all of their deodorant is very aromatic. Lots of crazy smells going on. And we talked about getting together to do a collaboration. So we were on our end going, how are we going to put shit patchouli into a beer and all of these different freaking... How are we going to make a beer out of deodorant? I know. And then they turn up and they're like, you know what? We just want... Can you make like a past? We want a past. Can we do a past? And we're like, yeah, we can do something like a past. So that beer is very much modeled like Pabst. And Matt, I see you're crushing your Pabst right there. And there's a, there's a reason why that beer is so popular. It's like small format, super easily drinkable. It's like appeals to just about everybody. So we just decided to replicate something like that. That's the fun thing about being a craft brewery like that too. You can go wild with hops and make them big and strong and everything. But at the same time, you can go, you know what? Let's just make a Pabst and have our own little version of it. So what made you? There's nothing wrong with no. that. Exactly. I, I crush hundreds of these things. They're wonderful. Yeah, that, that might like be the too. thing that's yeah. wrong with them, Matt. <laughs> you, are, you are sending all your money to some rich prick down the States rather than supporting your local industry, but that's a different kettle of fish. We won't go down the front. Yeah, but- buck, buck a can, buddy. He said it himself. <laughs> I mean, support your Tesco and industry, for goodness sake. <laughs> I, the, the thing that appeals to me about Budweiser and past when is I only ever have those really when we're out on our trips when we're out hunting when we do our spring trip and those beers kind of main you mean when we're drinking just, in excess you only have them right. when we're excessively <laughs> yeah. imbibing yeah. exactly and uh, they're good at just about any temperature in that situation they're usually pretty cold because we go at terrible times of the year and we don't really know how to like look after ourselves in the wilderness so we freeze and the beer gets we, cold. We have a cooler. We yeah. have a cooler. <laughs> so, the beer so the beer doesn't freeze. Yeah. Like the beer was safe, I suppose. But they're good at any temperature. That's what I like about them when they're light. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they're not too strong either. Holy. You might get a big 8% stout and then crush a tall can of that and then try and line up to shoot something like, goo. <laughs> yeah. Get onto yeah. a bike. Can't do anything. One of the worst we decisions. Don't line up to shoot things. One of the worst decisions I ever made was uh, I made a night out of drinking IPAs. Um, yeah, a few of them were cabins, and then I branched out and did like the. Yeah. Uh, there's a pan. Uh, what's the panda one? Uh, the trash panda. Trash panda. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. The next day, I've never wished for death <laughs> more in my life than that morning. And the rest of that day. Oxygen antiseptic. That's it's got to be good for you <laughs> eventually. Well, I was I was healthy, but I my head felt like it was about to blow off. Oh yeah. My head yeah. felt like Scott was behind me with a shotgun, and a gross flew in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, I would shoot at that gross again every time. I just want to be clear. <laughs> for no one that's heard that story, we were out hunting once. And uh, my brother and I were walking out front, and Scott was probably about 10 meters behind us. He had his shotgun, and a couple grouse flew up right in front of us, but, like, not up, like, more across. So yeah, it was across. In, in, like, we were the in-between parts, and from behind us, you just heard, <laughs> and my brother and I was like, fuck, and we just literally just buckled our legs and dropped, tried to just, like, Mission Impossible right to the ground, and then, it's bam, bad. bam, bam. <laughs> I got one. It was great. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I waited till you guys were down before I shot. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> sure you did. You lost your chance. They're onto you now. Now you never get to go behind. You always have to stand in front. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> my, my wife heard that story, and uh, she's terrified at the idea of you going hunting with this guy. It's fine. So she's always checking in. She's like, are you are okay? You <laughs> That's really funny, because when I get back from those trips, I'm always like, man, Matt's wife texts him a lot. And now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just the same text over and over? <laughs> yeah, live, check live or in. Still, still alive. <laughs> just, just pulse check. There's actually a line on my life insurance policy that says, "Was he scotted?" <laughs> I have the same one about you. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, so easy drinking beers. You've done mm-hmm. those. You did a collab. Um, what? what are the sort of um, requirements that you guys think about when you're doing, cause it's not like, obviously they weren't your first collaboration. You've done uh, a bunch mm. of collaborations before. What, what do you look for in a collaboration? Um, because I mean, obviously like you'd think like, Oh, I'm going to collaborate with another brewery, but clearly on dirty hipster, you did not, you collaborated with a mm. deodorant company. Um, so like when, when you think about doing a collab, what's the sort of thing that gets you like, yeah, you know what? We should do that. That's uh, yeah. be a good fit. It's a funny one. Eh? We look at things like, you know, do these, is there synergy in the branding almost? It's like, do we have, you know, do we like what they're doing? It's kind of, it's, it's sort of like dating. It's like, I like the look of your branding. And I'm like, I can't like the look of your branding. And could we make this work together? Um, is there a collab app where you're like swiping left and right? Yeah, <laughs> we could start this a whole dairy <laughs> collaboration dating app. It's like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. We yeah. we we always get together and have a quick meeting and just talk and say, you know, like, what are you looking for out of this? What are we looking for? And some people want to, you know, we've we've spoken to some companies and they come to like, you know, we want to, you know, let's let's make some money out of this. And we can do this. It's like. It's not really why we do collabs. Collabs are more around just having fun, joining forces with another company who's got sort of like values and similar values to what we've got going on. And we like to try and tap into another market, which is kind of close to where we are, but people that might not know us quite yet, or they might drink alcohol, but might not drink this particular craft beer and something like that, like that, with routine deodorant was a good one. Like we saw a lot of people coming in and buying our beer based on the fact that they already knew, knew the deodorant really well. Were they selling, were they selling it in their store? They can't. So legally they cannot. So they have to sell it for us. We brought their deodorant in and we sold it through our store and, you know, they came in and did a pop up one day and, you know, a lot of social media back and forth as well. So this, yeah, we look at all those sorts of things. And then when it comes with a brewery itself, it's like, it's just people you want to hang out with and drink for a day. Cause really that that's what a collaboration brew is. One person brews the beer and then everyone else gets together and eats lunch and drinks beer and shoots shit. It's good fun. So like values, have fun, yep. drink beer all day. Um, just just saying. Just saying. <laughs> a lot of the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I definitely want to tap into your market, into your, your three followers. I do want to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you'll get 100% of our audience to drink. Just call it tax write-off. It's a fucking win. Yeah. <laughs> zero. Net zero beer. Net <laughs> zero beer. It's an um, Going back to your homebrew, uh, mm. Hayden, so you had like a few that made it into, you know, the, the your cabin stream. What what was the tipping point for you where you were like, you know, I'm I'm making some good beer at home. I, I brought some to a kid's party and the parents all got drunk. It was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like at what point were you like, you know what? I really want to. I really want to make a. Two questions, I guess. Two parts. One is, yeah. how did you convince your wife to get a multi multi tap keg system in your living room? <laughs> this is my first question because. Just asking for a friend. Uh, yeah. Two, yeah, what was that tipping point where you went from like, I'm making some pretty good beer, let's make a go with this and, and take it to the next level? Yeah. So the first one, getting the multi-tap thing. So, yeah, I, I had a, when my homebrew really got serious, I had a six-tap keyser, it's called. So it's a chest freezer that gets turned into a keg machine so you can fit six skinny homebrew kegs in there. Um, it helps that you marry someone who likes beer, like my wife Jill does. She loves okay. beer, so she was my biggest supporter to get me out there early on a Saturday morning and brew more beer because we were like burning through it faster than we can, faster than we can make it. So interesting. I'm gonna start a easy. gin company then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that part was easy. The part where we decided that we'd make a go of it was like two things. One was. It was basically a, middle, a midlife crisis, right? I, get, I got to 40 years old, and I was like, I, I worked in communications for a big government company, a big government organization. Like, I cannot do this for another 20, 25 years. This is not where I want to do it. I love brewing. Maybe I can make some money off that. Um, and then we also had a couple of guys, friends, who are now my business partners at Cabin. They were also at the Caltech East Stranglers making really good beer. There's Jonas, who he was at Wild Rose at the time. Uh, as a as a brewer, so he was already making it. You know, he knew how to brew on a big system. And then Darren Sayers, he was the other partner. He was a fantastic brewer as well, but he was a, a mechanic for Mercedes, so he like owned every tool, and can build stuff and drive anything and do anything. And then I had the communications marketing background, so we we were looking at the market. At that point, craft beer was exploding in Alberta. There were already a bunch of breweries that had opened up. And honestly, like looking back now, it's like it was a no brainer. We we mold over it for forever in a day and it's like oh i don't know i have to spend money and that's a big risk and, and then i ended up listening the one thing that tipped me you'd say about the tipping point there was one particular thing that tipped me and i was on i was on my tr on the train on the way to work uh we're going past stampede grounds and i was listening to a beer podcast and it was an interview with um jim cook who was the owner of the boston beer company or the founder of the boston beer company and he's talking about his career and you know they're super successful and he's like, the question was, you know, wasn't it risky starting a brewery back then? He's like, you know what? The biggest risk is not putting your life and your family and your house on the line. The biggest risk is getting to 70 years old and looking back and going, shit, I should have done something else or I'm not happy with where I've done. He said, that's a much bigger risk in the big scheme of things. So he's like, for anyone out there who's even thinking about doing it, if you can make it work, make it work. And I was like, Shit, holding onto the rail back and forth, homeless person asleep right there. It's like, you know what? Let's do this. And and that was sort of, we we're almost there. And that was kind of the tipping point that got us over there. 
And then we spent like a year and a half trying to raise money and find property and get bank loans and all that fun stuff. And, and that we, homeless person was Matt Lucas. <laughs> I knew I'd seen her <laughs> In the Hollywood telling of the story, that is how it's going to work. <laughs> and then they met again on podcasts. So that long ago, riding the train and having a homeless person sleep, it should be an even easier discussion for somebody today because there's no homeless people sleeping. It's meth heads fucking just cracked out in the corner. Shooting flares, so, doing all the fun stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. whatever it takes. Matt, you, Downtown's great. Have, Don't knock Have it. you been walking past my work lately, Matt? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> so it, Way to go. Centralize your train system to drive it through crack alley. Yeah. <laughs> When's so, the train so, going to Tesco? And anyway, that's what I want to know. Uh, you, we don't want it out there, <laughs> Naden. We don't. Oh, big plans, big plans from a brewery camp out to, out at the end of our road. It's going to be great. You've been to? Have you been to the distillery? Long shot? Uh, I've not. No, I drove past it over summertime there, and it's like I don't know. There was a. It's. Do you mean the one pretty close to Winfield? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, east of Winfield. I, I drove past, I slowed down a bit, and there was a driver that went in. I couldn't see where it went. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I might not come out alive, so I didn't go in. How was it? Uh, it was all right. Uh, like Matt and I and our recently dead but not dead friend Alan uh, went, and <laughs> like the drinks were good. Um, mm. Food was fine. Like as, as far as like, because like our place, is, like it's out in the middle of nowhere, really, like. Yeah. When you're in the biggest sort of, you know, uh, center near you is Rimby. It's, and that's <laughs> far away. I mean, we're out there. And for a place that's out there, like, it was really nice, really well done. That's um, great. Yeah, like, the, the, the liquor was, was good. Mm. Um, it, it was pretty much on par. Like, you walk in and, you know, we drove in and there's a John Deere Gator sitting in the yard. <laughs> and Matt and I joke we're like yes. we're like betcha that's like doesn't belong here and some guy drove it here from his farm and Alan's like yep it, him and his wife came here and I, I watched him pull in about two minutes ago so it's like <laughs> like for the rural community it's absolutely like it's a yeah. it's a gem their pri- their prices are are fantastic um, and well, I'd like say their moving is probably pretty low for making spirits out in the middle of nowhere for the. Totally, yeah, and their little restaurants, nice. It's it's, it's yeah. it looks like a fun. They got a, the world's largest fucking patio. Like I think it wraps around the place twice, mm. with like seventy two tables and fifteen fifty nine heaters. It's it's an it's an it's incredible Ooh, quarter section of patio. Just all whole quarter section of heaters and patio tables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you eat there when you were there, Darren? Yep. Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Did they do that? It was okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like they had like food, like food, food, not like small yeah. plates or anything like that. Like it was, oh, man. It, I think I had an old pork sandwich and you had poutine and yeah, I had a poutine. Uh, it was totally fine. It was great. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah it was well, good. We have to get out the summer. Yeah. Their facility is fabulous. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it looks like kind of a, a shop with a, obviously a massive patio that wraps around. It. It's all tin. Mm. It's you drive to the driveway and it's, it's a little creepy because you're basically driving down into the valley of their, I guess, a homestead or an old homestead. For sure, yeah. Oh. Like you said, they like it's, it's a 
if you don't know that it's there, like you're probably not going to take that road in because you're like, mm, this yeah, looks right. like it might be it, but it also looks like that movie. That's John Voight. My mind when I put slowed down out the front, like you know what? I do have a pretty mouth, and I'm I'm gonna just keep it. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's a, it's a great little place. Um, okay, so at forty, you had a midlife crisis and made a brewery, which is amazing because at forty, I got arthritis, and that's that's my claim. claim to it would have been cheaper if I just bought a sports car and like. Did that, but no, I bought stainless steel vats instead, and it was a lot more expensive. Can't argue with that. Hey, at um, least they pay some money now instead of the sports car. So you're, you're listening to a podcast, and you're like, obviously, uh, for people watching, no one's watching. <laughs> if someone ever clicks this on right. YouTube, uh, behind <laughs> you is a clearly color coded bookcase. Um, my understanding is that you're a big book guy, like. I was having lunch with Jill, and she's like, "When you were when you were up at the property, and she's like, hey, Hayden's up there scouting out a treehouse. He's read like seven books on treehouses already.' I was like, yeah. "Fucking hell! How many books did he read to start a brewery?" Oh, did like every book I could find about beer and just reading it up. Yeah, I like like the color coding's weird. That was a pandemic thing. It's like, well, I'm <laughs> two weeks, I guess I'm not going anywhere. I want to be tidy up these bookshelves and <laughs> color code them. Um. But I'm like, yeah, I did. I, I, I'm an English lit major, and then I was a journalist, and I've always loved reading in books, and just the tactile piece of actually having a book is really nice. So I enjoy having that. It's good fun times. So you don't have like a chemistry background or any of that other shit that would go along with? Nope. I got nothing. I got no science background. I'm more like the. It's funny with brewing. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's like half. It's like. Half art, half science. You've got to have all the science down packed, otherwise the beer is just going to be terrible. But then you need that sort of artistic bent to be creative with the recipes and how you're marketing it and names right. and all that stuff. So but that always appealed to me. Eh? When you're brewing at home, like mm. before you start a cabin, you're obviously brewing it. You're making good beer. How did you like? How do you prove yourself to like? So your partner's Jonas, who's like an established brewmaster. Yeah. Right, uh, like you said, Darren Sayers is an amazing brewer. Like, how mm. do you prove that you're good other than like drink my beer? Like, have you did you submit your beers for like local awards or beer competitions or like yeah. you kind of build your own kind of clout that way? Or is yeah, it just this, kind of like, no, I make really good beer here, try some. And if you're Scott, you're like, fucking hell, I don't want to try. Some. Yeah, again, yeah. no. Uh, yeah, last time it tasted like sock water from co-op. <laughs> which you've established is apparently pretty good beer for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. You like the, the brew club meetups would always be, uh, you know, people would turn up and bring their beer and you try and you'd get a pretty good sense pretty quickly of who's, who's doing a good job and who isn't. Uh, but there's a national homebrew circuit as well. So there's these competitions that happen on a regular basis and you send your beer off and they're judged by certified beer judges. So, you know, the, the results are good and, I think the the last year that we all competed in it, all three of us, Darren Jonas and I, we all finished in the top, I think, uh, top 11, top 12 for the country. Sure. Um, so we're all up. Oh, we, all, we, all, we all knew we were making beer that was good. Like, we still didn't know that we could make it on a commercial level at that point, but we all knew from drinking it. Like, we were all certified beer judges as well, and as we're trying, we're like, yeah, this is, this is good. I'll do this. And then you, it's 
you get into that little echo chamber and you're sharing it with people. And like, this is really good. You should start a brewery. And then the more times you hear it, the more times you think, maybe I should start a brewery. By the time you've heard it like a hundred times, it's like, yeah, maybe we should start this brewery. But I know lots of people have gone down that path and haven't done a good job of it. Because there is more to it than just the beer. The beer is one part, but there's everything else that goes with it, right? It's like the ability to be able to build a shed and fix a machine and you know, market a beer and sell a beer and all those sorts of things. Um, as I say, it's like it, it's actually the easiest thing is to make good beer. The hardest thing is to sell it, is to actually get it into people's hands and get them drinking it. Um, so that's why, you know, some of the big companies, they just have like armies of people out there selling all the time. They might not have the best beer, but they've got the best sales team, so they can always push more beer out the door as well. You're not talking about AB InBev, are you? Oh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you put together a bunch of money. You started uh, the, this business called Cabin. And then, like, how the fuck did you sell enough beer to keep it open initially? Or, like, did you have a contract initially? Or can you, no. like, fill me in? I don't, know, I don't understand how you make that next massive leap. You can easily yeah. spend money. Yeah. Like, that's easy. I love doing that. Yeah, it it was it was just a real organic thing. So we started off really small. Like that was our deliberate plan. Like have a tap room. So we've got a tap room where we sell our beer directly, and that's where our biggest margins are because we're literally just making the beer, putting it in kegs, pouring it into glasses, and selling it to people at sort of market rates. Um, and then we just slowly. And when we started, it was just the three of us, and we had one person that worked in the tap room. And you know, I'd days I'd go in and do cleaning and then help on the canning line and literally take the flats of beer out into the back of my Dodge Grand Caravan and then drive around the city. And while I'm delivering it, I'll see a liquor store across the road. So I'll go drop off samples over there as well. So it was kind of this just very slow, but it got busier and busier. And, you know, as we sold more beer, we got a bit of money together. So we bought a couple more tanks and sort of just kept growing like that. Um, we've sort of got to the point now where we're, we're about as big as we want to get at this point, given the, the, just the way the market and the economy is going, we're very happy with the size that we're at. It's big enough that we can make enough beer to support all the customers we have now, but we're not too big that we're going to be crippled if interest rates go up by half a percent. Um, Which, so yeah, the slow organic yeah. thing. We didn't, we didn't have a plan to be like, I want to sell out in five years time and we have to sell this X number of beer. We just went with it. Um, and really we knew cause the way that we set the brewery up, it was a pretty small space. The taproom generated a, a decent amount of revenue and, you know, the overheads were small. So our worst case scenario and the good, the best thing for business planning is to have a global pandemic because it makes you look at your business and go, okay, what's our worst case scenario? And our worst case scenario was basically, right, we sack everybody, the three of us go back to doing what we were doing before, which is making the beer, cleaning the toilets, doing all that sort of stuff. I was like, yeah, we could make that work by doing a very, very small amount of beer. Um, so but what actually work. happened was the pandemic hit. Everybody became full-blown craft beer alcoholics. Yeah. And it you took had about to a hire people, didn't you? Orders just started going, it's like, okay. That poor yeah. Dodge Grand Caravan I used to have was just driving all over the city all the time. It's good times. Amazing what happens when people are locked in their homes with their families for two years. They become <laughs> full-blown booze hounds. Funny. Those are good times. I actually look back. It's the weirdest thing. I look back at the start of the pandemic and I'm like, I've got fond memories, right? It's like people are baking bread and dropping it off. And, Same. you know, we saw sales 
boost up quite a bit because everyone wanted to get together and so, get behind local companies and make sure they weren't going out of business during that time. So it was good times. And now we're like three years into the pandemic and it's still like, ugh. Anyway. What was the, the volume size of your first batches of beer? Like what was your, you say your brew sizes now are like, I, I missed it, something like 480 liters or something? Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was comparing tanks to another brew, but we, we've gone from, we started off with enough fermentation capacity to do, what was it? 80 hectoliter, which is about 8,000 liters of beer. And now we're up to, it's about five times that, I think. We That's still have the same amount of brew capacity. Um, but we, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, it's crazy. I lose track. It's like the, the, we're brewing five days a week and we're packaging four days a week. So we're just constantly turning tanks over now. Uh, we've got one, two, nine, 14 tanks now. We start off with four and now we have 14 larger tanks than when we started off with. And that's kind of the good thing about a brew. Like you can size it up. It's like any kind of business when you just have to, okay, we've got an extra customer. Or we'll throw on another service team. We'll throw on an extra what have you. Um, we're able to adapt pretty big, but there is a ceiling and we're kind of at that ceiling now. It's come at a really good time. We were not quite sure if we want to get much bigger because craft beer is sort of like a lot of things. Once you start getting too big, it becomes less attractive. If you start seeing it everywhere and it's becomes cheaper, it's like, well, it's not a, it's not a special treat anymore. So there's something nice about being small and being nimble and being able to make decisions. We literally will run into each other in a hallway and be like, Hey, should we make this beer? I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And then within a week it's in the tank and we're getting labels done for it. There's no bureaucracy involved. It's super fun, fun and quick. That does sound fun. Yeah. yeah it sounds like the dream. <laughs> yeah. Anything bigger and you start having like another set of managers, another set of people in there and all red. Uh, yeah. All the crap goes oh. along with it. And I think I'm really, really sensitive there. I came from Alberta Health Services before I came. I talked about a big government agency, and that was like they've got something like 130,000 people that work there. And trying to get anything done takes forever. It's just so many layers of people. And the idea of ever getting back to any sort of business or working in that environment where stuff takes so long to get done, it kills me. I'd rather stay smaller and being able to just do your own thing and do it fast and efficiently than, than go back to that model. So, so going back, uh, just to like bring it all around, uh, if I'm a, a guy, which I'm not, um, who, well, let me, that <laughs> eh, let me, let me rephrase that cut, <laughs> cut that out and fix that. And edit. No, no, you, gotta leave, you gotta leave it. <laughs> um, if I'm a person who's interested in home brewing and I'm doing good and I'm like, yeah, uh, I've, like you said, I've, I've been on the internet. I've, I've read a few books. I've now sort of like, think I can maybe do my own recipes, but mm -hmm. I don't want to do my own brewery. Like you mentioned the carboy and the hydrometer and the, the, the stopper with the CO2 thing, but like, what do I need to make beer for my friends where I'm not going to look like an old miser trying to pinch a penny and every, everyone's going <laughs> to lose interest in me as a, as a human. It's like, what, what, what's your advice for home brewers that want to make good beer? 
So you can actually, most beers come with like a sticker. You just peel the sticker off and then put your own sticker on and do that. And say, hey, I was going to make that joke and I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's like anything, it's like anything else you do, right? Just practice. It's, it was really good joining a club where you, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a weird club. It's a real like hobbyist sort of very nerdy in a way. People are super into it. But you learn a lot from that. So, you know, read as much as you can, brew as much as you can. Um, this is my best, probably fun, the most fun bit of advice is drink as much beer as you can, just like broad styles from different people and different yeah. things. Crushing um, it. Yeah. You just keep doing it. And not, not, as, not as well as Matt, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a monotone kind of guy. I like, I like what I like. That's yeah. True. You have a keg of far. Yeah. That's some pretty good beer. When you get to, when you get to what now I feel like I've drank a a lot of beer in my career. Now what gets me excited is beer that has flaws to it or doesn't taste right. And that's where that helps you actually make good beers, knowing what bad beer is. So you're sort of tracking down bad beer. And now, now every time I hear this, like, Oh, did you try this beer? It's got this, it's got this flaw to it. I'll be like, no, I need to try this. I will be driving around the city. It used to be I'd be driving around the city looking for hype beer or the latest IPA. Yeah, now it's like I need to find this beer that has this infection. I want to try it. I want to see what this tastes like. Is this a thing <laughs> where like shit beer is now going to become good beer because it tastes like shit? Yeah. You know, like you know, yeah. bad art is now good art, and like yeah. that oversized hoodie that you're wearing because it was your fat uncle's is now like super in style. Like shit you're beer is now going to be good beer. There's a market storm chaser. Basically, there was one recently. It was uh, one of the breweries in around in this area had they recalled a bunch of beer. I was like, I need to get some of this before they record. And I drove around, I don't know, five or six shops, finally found a six pack of it. And then, like, message I'm on a message group with a bunch of other brewery owners as well. I said, Hey, I've got a six pack of this beer. Does anyone want one? And I said, Yeah, can you drop one off? Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So good. <laughs> so wait, you've you've taken a hobby of drinking wonderful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful beer and trying yeah. to make it perfect, and now you've just you've gone surpassed that, and you're just like, I'm going to drink shit. I'm going to yeah. find it terrible. The shittier the better. <laughs> Your hobby. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So are you guys so gonna, are you going to release? It's a just flop? proof that there's no such thing as bad beer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I would argue that a bit. You can you can buy these kits. They're uh, that they use that sensory testing kits, and you can buy them. They come with these little vials, and you just put a couple of drops into your beer. You get a very neutral sort of beer that doesn't have much other flavor going on, and then you can taste all the different. There's one that tastes like it smells like a like a soiled diaper. And there's one that smells like vomit. There's one that smells like feet. It's just it's fascinating. <laughs> it's, uh, From Harry, that's where the next frontier of craft beer is, my friends. <laughs> diaper, <laughs> diaper beer. It's like the cheese that smells like diapers, but tastes really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's you're, you're trying to confuse your nose and your taste buds at the same time. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's all like blue cheese. It's like, oh, that's not right, but it smells so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it tastes like butter. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's incredible. Um, Again, circling back, it appears Matt's done a little bit of research and everything we said is a lie. Budweiser is not uh, overly gluten-free and not recommended for people with celiac disease. So everything you said about rice beers is a lie, uh, <laughs> which is fine. That's what you should expect from listening to this fucking 
Yeah, piece it's of just shit. not true. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't give it to you to repeat on this. I just wanted you to be more educated. Oh, fully, fully transparent. I'm yeah. fine looking like an idiot. Also, look what I found in my fridge. Oh. The last a, Bronk beer. The last Bronk. And I'm going to drink it right now. <laughs> as, as, we, as we wrap this up. Because I feel like we've possibly wasted a bunch of Hayden's time that he is sincerely regretting. But it's too too nice of a person to say like, "Oh, my internet connection's gone bad and just hung up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the table. Ah, there's an earthquake down here. I don't know what happened. Oh, fuck these guys. It's funny um, on the on the gluten thing. Just while you mentioned on that as well, so there is uh, a lot of the beer that we make at Cabin. Uh, we use an agent that it's, it's a finding agent. Um, It'll actually make a beer nice and clear. So any of the beers that we make that are clear, it actually drops most of the gluten out of it as well. So we would never recommend it for celiac folks, but there are some people that are, they'll come in and just be like, you know, I'm gluten intolerant. Intolerance, yes. A little bit in there. It's not life or death. It's not super serious, but for them, that really helps them as well. And most breweries do that now. It's like a, it's like a double-edged sword in a good way you get to make the beer nice and clear like a beer like that the bronc may well have that same sort of enzyme mm. in it as well it just gathers all the gluten in together and, and chucks it out but to I'm go sure through it's it, not, it, yeah. it it's not just gluten i'm sure those people are just generally intolerant to most things i'm just intolerant <laughs> tolerant of things that don't align with my current worldview about the power of crystals and whatnot <laughs> I realize I've alienated one of our three listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. You go some, down on YouTube rankings. Some gypsy mark out there is like, fuck yeah. this show. I'm very sorry to Caitlin. In Caitlin, the gy- British Columbia. Yeah. The gypsy mommy blogger who no longer listens to this. That's right. Went on one date with your brother and ended up listening to our podcast. That poor woman. <laughs> poor, sweet Caitlin. <laughs> oh, and the podcast wasn't the worst of it. <laughs> Kevin, stop. Caitlin, stop listening, but drink Kevin. That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's gluten-free. <laughs> yes. You can't see the asterisk I'm putting next to us, but there is an asterisk there. <laughs> um, Hayden, I want to thank you for um, losing basically a lot of your like well-deserved life. By coming on here, uh, I was just going to do it. It's okay. <laughs> uh, at no, least we got to drink some beer. And, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm very impressed. Every, everyone I've, I've introduced your beer to who hasn't had a chance to been there. Is like has has been, like, blown away. Uh, our, our, our. Our now not dead friend Alan, actually, the uh, when we first met him, uh, <laughs> it wasn't too long after they had a Christmas party, and he's like, "You guys should come." And it happened to be on the same day that I was having a Christmas party at work, and I had brought a a like a skinny keg of uh, sunshine rain to work. Nice, um, but thinking I was the hot shit, but like everybody had brought. Massive amounts of everything. So a lot of it didn't get drunk because of just a general, excuse me, debauchery. <laughs> uh, and so my next plan was like, I'm, I'm leaving here and I'm heading to, to Alan's place. So I, I grabbed myself an Uber and I dragged that keg into the Uber. 
<laughs> like a like a like a villain with a cat on my lap. And I'm going through and I get to Alan's place or I get home and you know, tuck the kids in, then I grab that beer and I haul it down the alley and it's raining and it's icy and it's terrible. And I get in and I'm the I'm like, I'm the fucking neighbor and a half. I brought a fucking keg to an Irish <laughs> to an Irish party. Like if this doesn't get me good graces, nothing will. And uh I slap it down and I get the pump, but you know, the journey it's had has not been kind. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the keg it's been sloshed about a little bit here and yeah. there and up and down yeah. and and basically what it did is it allowed me to pace myself throughout the night because mm-hmm. it was it was a big game of like pour the foam and then let it settle and pour the foam <laughs> and then let it settle so it was like a half pint at a time mm-hmm. um and a lot of spillage but uh long story short alan was not an ipa guy because he's irish and it's Guinness or shit logger or, or mm-hmm. death. And uh, I made which him drink, yeah, which he's, he did that and he's done Guinness. And <laughs> I made him drink it and he was like blown away. Mm. And he, he told me, he's like, after that, he had, he had, he had had some more. Um, possibly because I gave him a growler of it after as well. And uh, mm-hmm. he's purchased it on his own. He said it's it's one of the only IPAs he actually enjoys. Good um, job. You're on the for, sales For team. a guy that doesn't like IPA beers because he's from a country of potatoes and Guinness. <laughs> so that well, all was to just say kudos to you for making one of the better IPAs uh, in, in the world, I'll say, with my, my experience. No one outside of like a hundred kilometers of where this was recorded is ever going to hear this. So you might as well say the world. The world. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone in Alberta thinks it's the world anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you doing that, and I appreciate you guys having me on to drink some beer and talk about beer. I can. I do this all day, every day, anyway, and I could talk about it all night probably and bore the bejeebas out of you about yeast strains and flavor profiles and malt this and all that. Shit, we didn't get into yeast strains. All right, six-hour <laughs> episode coming up. <laughs> so much, so much good fun. Yeah, okay. no, thank you very much. It's is uh, uh, an honor and a pleasure to have you on, Hayden. And, uh, if I ever homebrew any beer again, I'll be sure to share it with you. And that was me. actually going to be one of my questions. Do you homebrew anymore? I do not. I yeah. do not. I do not. Because you have a brewery. That makes a lot it's of sense. A I, I have essentially an unlimited supply of very good beer that I like drinking. I'm like, I could make it myself, but why would I? And literally the time it takes to make one batch of homebrew is the same time it makes takes for our brewers to brew oh, 8,000 liters. liters of beer. It's like, <laughs> it makes incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. yeah. Has Jill started homebrew brewing as like a slight against you? Yeah, and it's going to be better, and she probably would be. God damn it, no, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Hayden. We really yeah. appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Bye, Hayden. Just goodbye to all time, of the viewers. It's nice to see you. Thanks, nobody. <laughs> yeah, thanks, nobody. See you in a couple of weeks. I can hear me screaming here. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new motto. Nobody can yeah. hear me scream on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. yeah, on that note. <laughs>
Hey, nobodies, we now have merchandise. T-shirts, sweaters, hats, even a cup. Check it out at mutteringpines.com. And don't forget to listen to some of our other episodes where we actually have some interesting guests we were able to dupe onto coming onto our show. Uh, follow us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, somewhere else. I don't know. Fuck wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Unless we are dead. Which is highly possible. <laughs> <laughs>